heals. I'm, I'm trying not to stir my own self up, but this is a place where God is. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Not only liberty to do what we do, but God says there's liberty for him to be who he chose to be. So this morning we just say thank you, God. We thank you, Father, for your presence. We thank you, God, for saving us. We thank you, God, for dying for us. And God, we thank you, God, for speaking to us. So God, as we open up your word, we thank you, God, that the teacher, the Holy Ghost, will open up his mouth and he will speak to us. Because God, we need to hear from you. We need to be touched by you. And so God, we give you all the praise before your word is spoke. All the glory for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's do me a favor and let's go right into the word of God. We're going to open our word um, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and the 12th verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and the 12th verse. We have been, uh, I guess you would say this will be a culmination of a series that we have been on with our pastor, um, and uh, we'll, we'll dive right in, and I'll clarify and share more in detail of what that is. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12, it's not a long verse of scripture, um, it says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. All of us, let's read that together. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12, 1, 2, 3. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. You may have your seats in the presence of the Lord. Um, again, our, our pastor has been on a series uh, talking about this context of really how we can fall off. And in this series that she's been dealing with, she has laid out a combination of different ways and different things that could not just show us how we have fallen off, but also give us something that will help us to not fall off. Um, and so this morning, what I want to be able to share with you is something that I believe is vitally important for us to be able to recognize how we can't fall off. Something that we need, something that is able actually to keep us from falling. And I believe through this context, we'll be able to understand not only how we don't fall off, but how we keep from falling. Um, so what I want to do um, as a title for those that are taking notes, um, those that are taking notes, the title of this message this morning is You Better Recognize. So I'm, 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 going to, <laughs> I'm going to try my hardest this morning. I really, really, truly am. I'm going to try my hardest to teach this so we can make sure we all have an understanding of what God is saying. Um, but if you be oh good, be, be obedient and just listen and take your notes and don't scream, don't holler. I think I might be all right, uh, but, uh, but, we're, but we're going to see. We're going to see. So our pastor dealt with three things. Um, that helps us in reference to this context of not falling off. Um, the first one is to have a devotion to our Savior. The second one is to be able to have a dependency on the Holy Spirit. 
And then the last one she dealt with is having a desire for souls. These three things allow us or helps us to stay into this posture of where we don't fall off. Um, But normally when we start recognizing or seeing ourselves fall off is because in one of these categories of places we are no longer functioning in. We're no longer having a devotion to God. We're no longer having the dependency upon the Holy Spirit and we have lost a desire for souls. Um, so, so, um, so I want to give unto us something that I truly believe will help us. We started with a context of scripture talking about a man named Samson. Now, I want to be able to do this. Um, Samson, um, Samson was a man we laid out and showed. Samson was a man that God used in the book of Judges. He was one of the judges that God used in the time period um, of the children of Israel. And in this time, God used Samson. And in this moment of Samson, Samson was, he has to be, I, I, would, I would dare to say, he has to be not a strong looking man. Just based upon how scripture lays it out, he couldn't be a strong looking man, but it was it was something that was recognized that God was using him to be able to do strong acts. Scripture does allow us to recognize and see that he was the strongest man in all biblical time. Okay, he was the strongest man in all biblical time, but there had to be something that he didn't look like what he was doing. Again, I'm trying to just teach this. Help me, Holy Ghost. So, so one of the things that we see continually through the scripture when it talks about Samson, it continues to make this reference that the spirit of the Lord was upon Samson. Sometimes it would say mightily, and then sometimes it would just say that the spirit of the Lord was upon him, and then he did some form of act. So what I want us to understand before we dive deep into this, and I promise you, I know I'm not going to get through all my notes because the spirit is already messing with me and y'all messing with me as well. And so because of this, what I want us to recognize is the way that we don't fall off is not because of what's upon you, but what's in you. There's a difference that we have to make sure that we have a clear understanding because one of the things that I have recognized and seen is that we get so excited upon what's upon a person and we're not recognizing or sensing or seeing what's in the person. Understand, let's break this thing down so we can all have a clear understanding. What's upon me is not for me. I knew it was going to get quiet just right there. What's upon me is not for me. What's upon me is for you. What's in me is for me. Okay, so we're going to clarify this. But what's upon me is not for me. What's upon me is specifically for an assignment or a task that God has assigned me to do. But what's in me is to develop me to make sure I'm ready for the assignment. Okay, so one of the things that we recognize and we see this, I want to be able to read this context um, by Pastor Kenneth Hagin. He makes this statement because it helps us to clarify this. And he says this, the spirit works within the believer after the new birth to develop character. Somebody say character. And the spirit works upon the believer after the baptism in the Holy Spirit to empower the Christian for service. So I'm going to read it again. The spirit works within the believer after the new birth to develop, somebody say, character. character. 
and the spirit works upon the believer after the baptism of the Holy Spirit to empower the Christian, somebody say, for service. So the question is not, does what is upon me keep me? The question really is, if I'm falling off, is because of what's within me. It's because what in me is not strong enough to keep me. Now, I'm going to clarify why I say that. Because the only way that what's in you can be strong enough to keep you is that means you got to be filled with the right thing. Now, now we're going to clarify this because I need, I'm, I'm going to show us in Scripture this context so we can break this thing down. For those that are taking notes, I'm going to give you some examples. I told you I'm going to try to teach this because y'all going to act up. I already can tell. So I'm going to try to teach this a little bit. So Samson, when we're talking about Samson, this is a Scripture reference that we can use. Judges chapter 14, verses 5 through 6. It makes the statement that the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. Okay, we, see, I can, we can read this here. That the spirit, then the spirit, then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyard of Timnath and behold, a young lion roared against him. Verses six makes this statement and it says, and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he rent as he would have rent a kid, which is, I, I'm not even going to deal with that, but, and, and he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father nor his mother what he had done. Now I do want to clarify because again, I just stated that what's upon you is because of an assignment. So in Judges chapter 16, you can write this down, Judges chapter 16, verses 28 through 30, it talks about the assignment that he is on. So there was an assignment that, that Samson was on that he needed the spirit to be upon him to accomplish. All right? All right, now, the another, the, the another example that I want to give is a great example, which is Jesus. In Luke chapter 4, verses 18, we all know this verse of scripture or this context of scripture. I believe it's very, very, very um, un, uh, known for a lot of different people. But it says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because, here's his assignment, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has preached deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised. This was his assignment. And because of the assignment that he had, the spirit of the Lord was upon him and anointed him to do the assignment. So this was his assignment to do this work. So that means again, just to clarify the spirit of the Lord, again, that is upon me is for an assignment. It's for the people. It's not for me. So because that's not for me, what I need to now look at is what I need for me so I won't fall. Okay? Oh, man, y'all. Y'all just going to look at me. I got you. It's okay. All right. So let, let me give you an example of the spirit of the Lord within the apostles in Acts chapter 4. Verses 29 through 31, it makes this statement. Um, it says, but ye shall receive power. 
My God, I'm trying. After that, wait a minute, that ain't even the scripture context, but I got excited just by hearing that. So Acts chapter 4, verses 29 through 31, it makes this reference. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, let's clarify what was going on in this context of scripture. Peter had just gotten out of a scenario where he was ministering the gospel, and he just got out of jail. The people of God that was in, that was at the, I would say at the house, they were all praying for Peter because they understood in that time frame what was happening is they were all trying to, the, 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 the religious leaders and the rules of that day were trying to be able to get those that were these apostles that were teaching the doctrine of Jesus Christ. They were not only capturing them, but they were trying to kill them. So when Peter now gets in jail, the people of God starts praying because they're, they're praying that he will come out. Now God has set Peter free. He at the house. The people are excited. And now what they start doing is they start praying. They're all praying together. And as they're praying, the reason or purpose of why they're praying is because they're asking for the boldness of the Holy Ghost to come upon them so they continue in the work of God. So in this moment, what they're doing is they, as they're praying and as they're talking to the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, and the whole room was filled with the Holy Ghost and they got the boldness that they needed internally so that they can do the work. So the first thing that I want to be able to ask you is, is there areas and places in your life where you need something that you don't got? I know that might not have been, in, you know, whatever, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm not that educated, so I'll just talk the way where I can. But, but, but is there something in you that you need that you know ter- eternally right now you don't have? Now, the reason why I'm asking this is because they were in a scenario that they didn't have something. They didn't have something that they needed because of the work that they needed to do. They understood we need boldness to make it happen. So if we don't have boldness, then we cannot accomplish what you're calling us to do. So internally, we need something for what you're going to put upon us. Okay. All right. So, all right. Let me, let me keep Paul in Acts chapter 13 verses nine through 10. It makes this reference that Paul was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, this scenario is a very interesting scenario, and I loved it um, because it makes this statement. It says, then Saul, who was, who was called Paul, was filled with the Holy Ghost, and he set his eyes on him. Now, let me clarify and tell you who him is. Paul is now out ministering. Him and another young man, one of his friends, they go to a city. When they go to the city, they come to a specific man to be able to minister to what, they would, what we would consider almost as a governor or someone in high rank um, in, in that city. They come to minister to this man, but there's another man that is there that they consider, the scripture says, they, they use this word as him being a sorcerer. And his, he was assigned specifically to this governor. And when Paul comes to be able to minister unto him, minister unto this governor, he recognizes that there is somebody that is standing in between your breakthrough and where you currently are. And this person right now is full of something. Okay, I'm, 
I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. He's full of something. And the Bible says, Paul, full of the Holy Ghost, looks at this man and then he says, and said, you full of subtlety and mischief. Wait a minute, you just met the man. How you know this? What he needed was being filled with discernment. And the spirit of discernment kicked in and he was able to recognize this is who you are. Now, let me ask you a question. How many places would you not be if you had discernment? How many places or people would you not have connected with if you had the right discernment? The reason why we don't have discernment is because we're not filled with the right thing. I'm, I, again, I'm trying to just teach this. I'm trying to just teach this. <laughs> I'm trying to just teach it. So, so, I, I, so in me, I need certain things in my life that being very honest, I might not know I need it until it's too late. Because Paul didn't know that he was going to need discernment until he got in the room. The people didn't know that they were going to need boldness until Peter got back. You don't know you need somebody to get delivered until you walk in the room. So if what is inside you needs to be filled before you get there, then why wait now? I can't wait to say I'm going to marry my wife and then when we get to the altar tell her that I love her. That don't make sense. I got to make sure I love you before we get to this place. Before we get to a place where we are going to now make a covenant connection and we're going to stay in this for long term, I got to make sure that I'm filled with the right thing that you need for this long term journey. So in the same format, what happens sometimes is we only wait until moments already has happened to then say we need to be filled. The problem happened, now I want to pray in the Holy Ghost. The situation didn't go right, now I want to talk to the Lord. And God is saying, but that's how people fall. They fall because it's after the fact. Okay, I'm, all right, let me, can I be more clear? Let's be more clear. I cannot be in a room in the bed with another woman and be filled. I can't steal from somebody and be filled. I can't cheat on you and be filled. Why? Because that is another type of thing that I'm filled with. And it's evident that I wasn't filled when I did it. How do I know? Because the Bible says that if I'm filled, he leads me. He, he's my lead, but he also says he makes a way out of escape. That means if I'm in the midst of something, the Holy Ghost says, you can go now. Before you get there, before you make that move, before you make that statement, I know what they, I know you feeling, I know you don't feel right, I know they said what they said, I know they did what they did, but here's your way to get out. But I don't know that if I'm not filled with them. Now, I'm, 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 again, I'm trying to, y'all messing with me. I'm trying to teach it so we can have a clear understanding. Now, let me answer this question. Who has, who has the ability to be able to be filled? I want to answer this. Romans chapter 8, verses 9, it makes this statement. It says, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. 
If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Let's clarify. The only people that can have the spirit is those that's his. How do I know I'm his? Because I'm saved. So those that are saved have the spirit. Now the question is not are you saved? The question is have you developed your spirit? The, the, it's, not, it's not one of those things that I need to go and get something. No, no, no. Because the spirit, according to the scripture, the spirit is the same thing that got to draw you to get saved. So if the spirit drew you to get saved, you then got saved. And if you got saved as evident, a part of this context, a part of this contract of our relationship, I'm going to leave you my spirit. So now the evidence is already in me. Now I just need to know how to work the thing that's in me so that I don't fall. And I'm going to show you what, what, I'm, what I'm specifically talking about in reference to fall. Just to clarify this, John also, John 14, verses 17 says this. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, but it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him. For he dwells within you and shall be in you. I'm just, I'm just going to stop. I'm just clarifying this context for we all to be on the same page. <sighs> Man, y'all about to mess me. Jesus, help me, Lord. So what does this word or this context of field mean? Because when we're talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost, what does that actually mean? Now, we'll, we'll talk about the context of how we do it. But what does it do? What does it actually mean when I say I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost? This is a definition by um, Wilmington Guide to the Bible, and this is what it says. It is the sovereign act whereby the Holy Spirit feels and controls the life of the repenting sinner. Simply stated, when you say you are filled, that means you're giving him control. So when you say, I want to be filled, that means you're also saying, I want to be controlled. Now, this is, a, this is one of those touchy contexts because I don't know anybody that's willingly want to be controlled. See, I'm, yeah, I, we're going to be, we just be clear for a minute because you don't want your relationship to control you. You don't want your job to control you. You don't like when your money control you. You don't want friends to control you. You don't want government to control you. You don't want nothing to control you. But God is saying, if you want to be led by me, you got to give me control. You you mad when time controls you? You mad when other people's situation control you? You're mad when every when other people's emotions affect you and control your stuff? You're mad at all of those things. But God is saying, but I won't control. How this is going to work the effective way is you have to allow me to take control. I can't lead something I'm not in control of. It's hard to lead something that he doesn't have control. How do I know? Now, are we, or, or has God created us and shaped us to be able to have our own choices and our own will? Yep, he sure has. But guess what? My children... Don't got control. 
They might think they run my house. And they might think they run my pocketbook too. But they don't have control. How do I know? Because the same way I give it, I can turn it off. So who really has control? When it's time for my family to transition and move to Colorado Springs, who has real control? You might not like it. You might even be sad that you're leaving people behind. But guess what? I have control. Now, in this thing is, what happens is, they have to, now we have to be in a position, in a posture, not God only do I want to give you control, but I'm willing to give you this. I'm willing to give you control on how you want to guide and lead my own life. I'm giving you control. Now, let's get real clear. That means the stuff that you don't want, nobody to know about, he got to have control too. The areas that you hide from everybody else, he needs control of that too. So it's not just, God, I'm going to give you control so I can worship you. That sounds good, but I want control of that pain too. God, I'm going to give you everything. Everything? Are you sure? Because when I asked for you to do and say hi to that person, you didn't want to do it because you didn't like them. But I didn't ask you, did you like them? I asked you, could you follow me? That means you're not willing to allow me to be in control. So the question is, are we allowing, are we going to allow God to be able to fill us and control us in every area of our lives? Now understand this, because the Holy Spirit ain't going to make you do nothing. He's one of those beautiful things. I love that the scripture allows us to be able to see the Holy Spirit like water. Water, the beautiful thing about water is water fits in whatever you pour it in. So if you pour me in a cup, I can fill that cup. If you pour me in a circle, I can fill that circle. If you pour me in an open box, I can fill that box. I can fill whatever you allow me to. So the question is, how much do you really want to be filled? Because as I'm personally was studying and going through this context of scripture, I'm looking at my own life and I'm thinking, wait a minute, God. I do pray in the Holy Ghost. He said, you do, son, you do. I talk to you and I meditate and I sing and I worship. Yep, you sure do. Well, God, I, I'm giving you full control. Ah. He said, no, 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 you gave me control for ministry. <laughs> you, 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 gave, you gave me control after the marriage wasn't going right. You gave me control when you didn't know what to do. Now I was like, oh God, can you help me? But you've been trying all this time. But I told you to seek me first. Because if you seek me first, that means I'm in control. You don't have no other decision making. So are you really feel the way you're saying it? He said, but for you to not to fall, Hiram, you need to be filled. You need to allow me to be in control. But dad, I'm allow you. All right, dad, I'm going to give you all full control. Just fill me, Holy Ghost, take over me. He said, okay, I'm going to do it. But I'm going to need to show you where I'm going to do that too. So let me show you. Yep, you remember that mouth? Yep, I, I, I want control of that. So when you want to let them extra words out that ain't in my scripture, I want control of that too. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I want control of your attitude. Yep, the one that you look when you roll your eyes about your boss after they walk away, but you ain't bold enough to do it in their face. That one right there. I need control. Give me full control. Because why? The reason why I need control over a person that says they have a relationship with me, how can you be able to be a light if you don't let me control it? I have to control the lights. These lights don't turn on by themselves. So do you have, do you allow me to get control? Or you the one flickering on when you want to, when you want to be a Christian when you don't. When you want to be a believer and when you don't. Because the power is still flowing through. It does not mean that the power is not here. It's just not you not giving me full control. Turn, take the switch off the wall. How would your life look if you didn't have control of you? I'm, I'm trying to get back to my notes. But how would your life look if you didn't have control? Let's be real honest. Let's, let, let's get down to some. How would your business look if you didn't have control? If you wasn't the COO of your own and you allow yourself to be an employee and you say, God, I give it to you how you wanted. What would that look like? What would your marriage actually look like if he was in control? What would your job look like if you was actually not in control. But this is the thing where we get in scenarios and situations because he's not in control. The enemy understands he's not because he can tell by what you feel with. So let's do this. Uh, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start at verses 16. Uh, Ooh, Holy Ghost, thank you. All right, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16. This is what it says. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth after the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. Meaning it's contrary. It goes against one another. And these are contrary the one to the other. So that ye cannot do the things that you would. Wait a minute. So that ye cannot do the things that you would. I'm not moving forward. Why can't I move forward? Because there's an area where your flesh and your spirit is fighting. And it's telling you, you can't move forward till you make a decision. What's the decision? Who are you going to let lead you next? I want to go to the next level. Who do you want to lead you there? God, I want you to take me higher. Who do you want to bring you there? The spirit or the flesh? Because one way or another, you got to make the choice. But until you make the decision, something is fighting and it's not letting you move forward. Okay, verses, verses 18. But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are manifested, which are these. Now, I, I would say, say, ouch, if you find yourself in any of these. But just pinch your own self and don't say a word so don't nobody else know that you're in these boxes. Uh, just so we can all be, you two on, on watching this, please. I, I don't know who you're around, but just don't make, it, don't make it obvious if you see yourself in some of these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, 
variance, emulation, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envying, murderers, drunkenness, reveling, and such the like are of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do these such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now let me pause here, because this is one of the things that I looked at. And as I was looking at this elder pat, one of the things I saw was like, I was like, oh, okay. All right, I'm going, okay. I don't see me there. Okay. Uh, I used to have a hatred, but I dealt with that. You, you, I'll let you take that. All right. Uh, strife. Uh, no, I'm good. I'm good in that area. I'm not no adulterer. I'm not fornicating. I'm not out here doing these. So I'm going through the list of all of these things. And I was like, oh, you know what you didn't put in there? I'm good, Holy Ghost, because you ain't put lying. He said, no, it's in there. He said, that ain't of me. How can the spirit of truth be a part of the spirit of lying? I could take you to a whole nother scripture that would tell you that he detests lying. So even though my name wasn't in the roster, I still saw myself in the sheet. Okay, so, all right, we're going to keep going. So, verses 22, this is what it says. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and against such there is no law. Now, I want you to be able to see this, and we're going to go to Jude 1, um, Jude 1 in a minute. But I want you to be able to see the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is what? All right. I want everybody to say it together. The fruit of the spirit is? So the fruit of the spirit is love. Not the fruit of the spirit is hate. Not the fruit of the spirit is jealousy. Not the fruit of the spirit is contention. Not the fruit of the spirit is gossiping. Not the fruit of the spirit is all of these. No, the fruit of the spirit is love. And it manifests itself through different forms of ways. Now, this morning I was getting up and um, getting prepared and I was thinking about this context of scripture. And he said, Hiram, you know, each one of these are developments. And I said, what you mean? Gentleness is a development of love. You got to grow into that. Peace is a development of love. You got to grow into that. Joy is a development of love. You got to grow into these things. The one that we all think needs developing and growing is long suffering. (laughs) As well as we understand that one of the things that need to be developed is temperance and meekness. But it's development in love. Now, I'm going to show you in a minute how this is important. Because if we're not in, if we're not filled with the right spirit, we can't stay in the spirit of love. So if we're not staying in the spirit of love and spending the right amount of time to make sure that I'm allowing him to have control, I can't be developed in these areas. So why I don't got peace? You might want to check what your development looks like. Why I don't have joy, you might want to check what your control looks like. Because why? These are all manifestations of my development. So if I don't got these things, it's not because of the world. It's because of what's inside. Okay, all right. So Jude, Jude chapter 1, verses 18. This is what it says. Jude chapter 1, verses 18. It says, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time, who shall walk after their own ungodly lust. 
These be they. Good morning, and welcome to the Christian House of Prayer. Yep, we say we are Jesus. So Thank you, Holy Ghost. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, build up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. I want to pause. I want to go back. Let's look at verses 19 again. And this is what it says again. It says, these be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Have you separated yourself? Now, I'm going to clarify what I mean. Because people can be in the building and still be separated. Let's, okay, let's, let's make it real clean and understood. People can sleep in the same room and be separated. People can sleep in the same bed and be separated. People can walk down the aisle holding hands and still be separated. So I'm not asking, are you not in the building? I'm not asking, are you not walking with different people? I'm asking, have you separated yourself? Because sometimes, because of what's upon us, you can still minister. How do I know that? That's the same thing Samson did. Samson kept functioning, kept moving around, kept doing what he was doing, but he was separated. So have you separated yourself? Not again, not from us, but from him. This is how we fall. We separate ourselves. We come in the building, we lift our hands, and we say all these wonderful words. We sing the beautiful songs and all of these different things that happen. But have you separated yourself from him? How do I know when the last time you felt him? When the last time you felt him near you? When is the last time you actually heard his voice? And I'm not talking about on a Sunday. I'm not talking about your favorite YouTube. I'm talking about you by yourself in your own personal time. When is the last time you heard his voice? Because how can somebody, how can you follow somebody you can't hear? And the only way that I know that you have separated yourself from him is because you don't feel him like you used to. Nor do you hear him the way you used to. Now hear this. This is the beautiful part about how God does. You can separate yourself from him and he's still walking next to you. Because why? The Bible says clearly. It's not, a, it's not an exaggerated statement. It's the strictly truth. He cannot, he will not ever leave you nor forsake you. So he's walking with you. But you've separated yourself from him. So in this, this is how we get into these moments. And it's a sad scenario because we get into these moments and we have separated ourselves from God and God saying, but that's not even of my spirit. Those people, they don't even got my spirit in them. They have lost me being able to be in them. They don't even have me in them, controlling them because they've separated themselves from me and them. But then he says, Verses 20, but you, beloved, build up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. 
Now watch this, verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ until unto eternal life. Verses 22, I'm not going to stay there, but verses 22, it says this. And of some have compassion making a difference. Here it is. I cannot make a difference without being built. And my compassion for the desires for souls is minimized if I'm not filled with him. Now, let me ask this question, and, and because I understand the time, I understand where we are, the generation, and all of these wonderful things that, we're good, that goes on and what we do. Let me ask you a question. When is the last time that you drove past somebody homeless and it hurt your heart? When is the last time you saw somebody in pain and you felt it? When is the last time you saw that somebody was lost and it made you feel something about it? That's called compassion. I can't drive by a person that's hurting and not feel something. The reason why we can feel is this context of things of where, because we see it every day. We see it every day. I see a homeless person every day. You see a person that's struggling every day. You see a person that's strung out every day. You see a person that's going through struggles or problems or issues every single day. And eventually, when we stop allowing ourselves to be compassionate and filled, we stop having compassion. Now it becomes a regular part of your day and you can walk past it just like everybody else. How do I know that? That's why Jesus used this example when he was talking to, some, talking to a crowd of people, a person came and asked Jesus a question, Sister Karen, and he said, so who is my neighbor? He said, oh, that's what you want to know? Let me give you an example. There was a man riding in his car and got hit. People pulled him out and beat him up. Left him on the side of the road, stalled his vehicle, and just ran off. A preacher walked by. He saw him. Went to the other side of the street and kept on moving. Another person that was a pope, he just walked, he saw him and, you know, one of the elders of the church, he, he walked up, he saw him, beat down, hurt, almost about to die, went to the other street and just kept on walking. But then there was a person that was his enemy that saw him. He went over, picked him up, take him to the nearest hospital, pays the bill. Said, if it's any more, here goes my contact number so you can call me. And then when he's about to exit out, please let me know so I can make sure he's good to go. So, preacher? An elder? Hmm. They walk past? Someone that's in need? How? Oh, because they were functioning on what was upon them. But they didn't have anything built within them to have compassion. They had titles, but no power. They had, they, they had the ability to help one of their own. Now, let me clarify. The storyline that he gives is, is very simple because the storyline he gives is allowing them to understand this was somebody you should have helped. This was somebody that was a part of your congregation. 
that you allow to be able to go through this pain and walk by them and don't do anything about it. Why? Because you stuck upon what's upon you and you ain't built nothing within you. So we got a bunch of people, I'm, I'm trying not to, but we got a bunch of people that's so caught up about you, what's up on you. Because you can preach a house down, you can sing the house down, all of those things is great, but it has nothing to do with you. Because when you go home, you step off the stage, how does you live? Preachers that preach about freedom and go home bound. How? Folks that worship and worship about a God that can do mighty and great things, but you go home and you're still discouraged. Why? It has nothing to do with what's upon you. It has everything to do with what's in you. My wife helped me years, 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 years ago. Um, and I'm almost done, but my wife helped me years ago. And I'm going to give her a beautiful shout out. I love you, baby. I miss you. <laughs> my wife helped me years ago. Um, we had the opportunity um, at the church that we served at in uh, Colleen, Texas. Uh, we would call, I would call the mother house. And uh, we had an opportunity to be able to serve um, as the youth leader in that ministry. And I think it was like a couple years in, probably like three, four years in, we had just got finished with a service. God had moved in the service. It was a mighty good service. And I got home and me and my wife was just talking about all these different things and she said, babe, well, let me help you because what I don't want to happen is that you get so full of you that it messes you up and you get in a context of pride. So let me help you before we even get to that place. Remember the scripture says that God used a donkey? I said, what you trying to say? But I mean, hold on now. Let's, let's clarify this conversation before we go any further. What you trying to say? She said, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not saying about you. I'm not calling you that. But, I'm just, I'm, but don't you remember in the scripture that God used a donkey to speak on his behalf? I said, yeah. She said, so don't get caught up on what's upon you. Because what you're doing got nothing to do with you. What you say, how, the God, how God moves in the service has nothing to do with you because he used a donkey the same way he used you. But the question is, after you're done, can God still use you? Is God still building something within you that makes somebody want to follow you? Here's the biggest problem that happens. And I'm, uh, okay, I'm going to just go. No, go ahead, Holy Ghost. Do what you got to do. Here is the biggest problem. Some people, because we gravitate to people that do mighty works in a service, we majority of the time want to get close to the ones that have this mighty weight that happens. And here's why people fall off. Because I get close to the one that I thought had it. And when I got close to you and I walked with you on Monday, I saw you didn't have nothing. The only thing that moved was what was upon you. But you ain't got nothing in you that keeps me around. The character that you have, the gossiping that you do, the stuff that you cheat on, the people you lie to, that is not a character of God. So after you preach the gospel, after you do the work of God, what do your life look like on Monday? Because what your life looks like on Monday through Saturday matters more than it does on Sunday. 
Because this is the problem. This, this is where the, this is a problem, and I'm going to tell you, it's a major, major problem. Majority of pastors, preachers, folks that feel like they called to the ministry, their houses is wrecked up. Why? Because you preach hell down. Walls fall. Folks get healed, delivered. But then you come home and you don't live nothing that you preached. I can't see God in nothing that you do. Because why? It's not that he's not upon you. He's just not built within you. He don't have control. And what God is saying, if we want to be able to make an impact, it's not what's upon you. It's what's in you. Yes, gifts and callings is without repentance. He gave you the gift for a purpose. He gave you the instruction for a purpose. He put you in the job for a purpose. But the question is, what's happening within you? Are you spending time enough for him to take control of you? Here's more importantly, this is how he takes full control. The only way he can take full control is you got to fully take it off. I'm going to say it again. The way he takes full control is you have to fully take it off. What do I mean? When you get before him, stay naked. The reason why it was a, such a great relationship between God and Adam, Adam didn't have nothing to hide. So God says we can meet in the cool of the day. We're going to spend our time together. We're going to walk together. Both of us just exposed. I'm going to expose everything to you because you're exposing everything to me. And now, Adam, we can walk together and I can say, what is that? Oh, that's a giraffe. Yep, you're right. What is that? That's a lion. Why? Yes, that's good. And God was just frustrated and said, wait a minute. Adam, who told you you was naked? Here it is. Who told you that that was a problem? Who told you you being exposed was a bad thing? Now you hiding from me. What? What? I, I made everything you got. Why are you hiding it from me? Now I can't have full control because you're going to compartmentalize what I can and cannot see. So if I want God to have full control and I want to be fully filled, I want to be fully exposed. That means have real conversation. God, that person got on my nerves and listen I, I don't I want to I want to I want to I want to talk to him and I want to say what you told me to say but listen this thing called this flesh in me is talking to me too and it's telling me that when I go up to him I don't say a word and just punch him that's what I used to do God I don't but I know that ain't you because I know if I hit him that ain't they, they're gonna be like aren't you a Christian how you doing so I know I want to represent you right but this flesh in me is trying to rise but I need you to feel this area so, so I give you, hey, listen, I'm exposing it because I need you to feel it. I'm not trying to act like I got it all together because if I got it all together, I don't need to be filled with him. So let's, 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 let's wrap this up. I'm, I'm, oh, God. Here it is. Verses 23, Jude chapter 1, verses 23. 
And it says, and others, there's going to be some, verses 22, that you're going to have compassion and make a difference. And in verses 23, but there's, and some and others, save with fear, pulling them out of fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. I'm going I'm to quickly just say this. There are going to be some people you can't talk to to walk them out. Some folks you got to snatch out. I'm, 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 okay, y'all don't, okay. Because none of y'all got snatched. I got it. None of y'all got snatched out of y'all sin. Y'all was, y'all was walked gently through the tulips, and God took you from your problem to, to your victory. I, I get it. You wasn't snatched out. But some people need to be snatched out. Some of my prayers is snatch the taste out of their mouth. Don't, I don't need a gradual. This don't need a gradual. This person needs a mirror. He needs to move now. And if you don't do it, he ain't going to know you, God. I need you to snatch it out. Okay. I'm, but, okay. I'm, I'm just, because y'all, y'all, y'all acting like y'all good. So, um, verses 24, it says, now unto him. This is still talking about those that are now filled and has built themselves up on their most holy faith. Verses 24, now unto him. That is able. Somebody say he's able. able. Now unto him that is able to keep you from what? Not keep you from stumbling. He keeps you from falling. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. How do I keep my, how do I get to a point where I'm kept from falling? Is you got to be filled. gotta be filled and if you're not filled I promise you you'll keep falling now I needed to be clear I need to be clear and I'm, I'm gonna just close this before I get in trouble I needed to be clear very clear Josh this is not how you just fall off in your relationship with God this is how you fall into sin how I'm kept from the sin that he died for as I'm filled with the spirit that he left behind. So if he left the spirit for me so that I can make sure that I don't fall off, I need to be filled with him. There's a verse of scripture says, I need to be more filled with him. It says, don't be drunk with wine, but make sure that you feel with the Holy Ghost. Well, I need to be so intoxicated I need to be so filled that when you see me, even as they did in Acts chapter 1, it said, no, in Acts chapter 2, when it says that they were filled all with the Holy Ghost and the people thought that they was drunk during the daytime. And Peter says, no, I'm not drunk like you think. I'm so filled up with him that I stumble every time. I just, I can't keep control of myself because why? When you are intoxicated, you are controlled by the thing you drunk. That's why they always say drunk people tell the truth. Because why? It's something that intoxication does to you. Some folks, they get intoxicated and they get bold. Some folks, they get angry. I was, well, bless Jesus. Um, <laughs> I, was a, I was an angry drunker. But anyway, but bless the Lord. Some people, they get drunk and they calm. Some folks, they drunk, and they the person to tell everybody business. 
They get so they get so drunk that they be like, yeah, you know that boy right there. Yeah, he been doing that. Like, wait a minute, I, I told. Why are you telling all my business? I thought we was. But he drunk. He's he has no more control. So how would it be if you was filled with him? How would it be if you allowed the Spirit of God to fill you to a point where he got full control? Again, are you willing to give him control? At the end of the day, are you willing to give him full control? Because if we don't, we will find ourselves falling off and falling away every single time. We can't make the mark without the spirit that shoots me there. It's every single time.